BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Let's talk about Donald Trump packing the courts. Let's talk about Amy Coney Barrett's view of super precedent. And let's talk about fixing what Mitch McConnell broke. We can fix it. And we will fix it. Why? Because justice matters. Hey all, Glenn Kirshner here. Welcome to another episode of my podcast, Justice Matters. Um, as you may know, if you watch uh, my daily YouTube videos, what I try to do uh, in these podcasts and in the daily videos is I try to use my 30 years as a federal prosecutor, my 30 years inside the federal government to look at the legal issues of the day, to look at the crime, the corruption, the abuse that is unfolding in the Trump administration. Um, so we try to identify a legal issue, we try to put it in a larger context, and then we try to come up with some common sense solutions, some information that voters, that Americans can use as they um, try to understand what's going on in our federal government. And today I want to talk about primarily judges. I want to talk about Trump packing the courts. I want to talk about Amy Coney Barrett's confirmation hearing that just wrapped up. And then I want to talk about how we can fix what Donald Trump and Mitch McConnell and Lindsey Graham broke, because we can fix it. A couple of housekeeping matters. Um, if you um, follow me on Twitter, you know that I'm on there all day and often all night trying to answer legal questions from the Team Justice members. That's what we call our, our Twitter crew. Uh, and Team Justice is fierce and Team Justice is strong. And I try to answer legal questions throughout the day and throughout the evening. Um, as I mentioned, I post a daily YouTube video on my YouTube channel, just Glenn Kirshner. That's the name of my YouTube channel. No, I'm not all that creative. Um, and then if you want to support our efforts and our content, you can always go to patreon.com and you can become a patron and you can support what it is we're trying to do here. Okay, so let's turn first to Trump packing the courts through his henchman, Mitch McConnell, who is really pulling the judicial strings, right? We know this. It's not Donald Trump out there, you know, beating the bushes for good judicial nominees. It's Mitch McConnell. And so, first of all, let's talk about the kind of judges that a president appoints, because there are three different kinds. There is the trial court judge, the federal district court judge. There are the appellate court judges. And then there's, of course, the Supreme Court justices. Now, and there's a reason I want to go through this one-minute tutorial on the different levels of the courts. The trial court judges, they conduct trials. They do not create law. They don't create precedent. All they do is try cases. However, when the cases are decided, if it's a conviction or a, a verdict, a judgment, it can be appealed to the appellate court judges. And the federal appellate court judges are the ones 
who begin to make law for the country. They set precedent that, that, that has to be followed by other judges and other courts in their jurisdictions. These are perhaps in some way the most important batch of judges for pur- purposes of creating case law in a very real sense, kind of setting precedent and policy. Stay with me for a minute. Then, of course, there's the Supreme Court justice, the big boys and the big women um, who are deciding the constitutional issues and are deciding any splits between the different federal circuit courts. If two federal circuit courts of appeal decide an issue, a constitutional issue differently, then that case will go up and be decided uh, by the Supreme Court to kind of settle the, the case law among the federal jurisdictions. So here is what I find most, you know, troubling is an understatement, concerning is an understatement. I find it despicable, something that Mitch McConnell has done with the appellate court judges. 53 U.S. Court of Appeal Appeals judges have been nominated by Trump and have been crammed down the throats of the American people in these, you know, abbreviated confirmation hearings. Mitch McConnell just kind of crams them through, even when they're rated not qualified by the American Bar Association. Of the 53 federal appellate court judges, the ones who set precedent around the country, make law in a very real sense, how many are African-American? Zero. Fifty-three. No African-American judges have been appointed by Donald Trump or crammed down our throats by Mitch McConnell to the Federal Circuit Courts of Appeal. Kamala Harris mentioned that recently in her debate with Pence. Zero. How's that for a representative cross-section of our diverse country? That's despicable. That's Mitch McConnell. That's Donald Trump. That has to be dealt with, and we'll talk more about that in a minute. I want to turn my attention to the Amy Coney Barrett um, confirmation hearings that just wrapped up not too long ago. And I want to talk about one thing in particular that she was asked about several times, and it's this concept of super precedent, right? When the Supreme Court decides a case, it's precedent. It's the law of the land, and all of the lower courts and the federal government and Congress and the citizens, we all have to abide by the law of the land. That's precedent. Well, Amy Coney Barrett comes up with something that's not a thing, mind you. It's not a legal thing. Yes, some academic uh, scholars, constitutional scholars, have written about this vague notion of super precedent. But it's not a thing. It's not a legal doctrine. It's not something that governs the way cases are decided in the courts. But, and I have a nifty prop here, Amy Coney Barrett went on at length about what she believes to be super precedent coming out of the Supreme Court. And here's some of what she said in that regard. Now, first of all, she defines super precedent as 
something that is so well settled, so well established, that nobody seriously argues it should be overruled, right? That's her definition of super precedent. And she gave us some examples. She said, well, I think Brown versus Board of Education is super precedent. Nobody seriously talks about overruling Brown versus Board of Education decided in 1954 by the Supreme Court 66 years ago. Brown versus Board of Education, folks, remember, was when the Supreme Court declared that separate but equal government-sponsored racial segregation is unconstitutional. Can't do it. Unfortunately, there was a case called Plessy versus Ferguson years earlier that said, yeah, government-sponsored racial segregation is just fine as long as you have separate but equal accommodations. Fortunately, Brown versus Board of Education put a nail in the coffin of Plessy versus Ferguson's horrific separate but equal doctrine. So fortunately, Amy Coney Barrett in her world and her judicial philosophy, that is super precedent, can't be touched. Nobody seriously discusses, talks about, advocates for overruling it and going back to separate but equal. So she also talked about a case called Loving versus Virginia. That was decided in 1967, 53 years ago. She said that's super precedent in her view. What is Loving versus Virginia? Well, it is racial marriage equality, right? Interracial marriage is a constitutionally protected right. The government cannot pass laws, although there used to be laws prior to Loving versus Virginia, saying an African-American and a white American can't marry. Well, Amy Coney Barrett says, yes, that's super precedent. No, no concerns there. I'm not going to try to go back and revisit that, right? Then this is where she goes off the rails because she said that Griswold versus Connecticut decided in 1965, 55 years ago, not super precedent. That's something that maybe, you know, she can go back and revisit. You know what Griswold versus Connecticut decided? The Griswold case decided that the government cannot criminalize the purchase of contraceptives by married couples. Yeah, she says, hmm, contraceptives being purchased by married couples. I think I need to revisit that. That's not super precedent. Maybe that's something that we have to revisit. And what? We're going to recriminalize, outlaw, prohibit married couples or anybody else from purchasing contraceptives? I'm sorry. That's a judge going off the rails, from, in my humble opinion, from my perspective, that the government can tell married couples you cannot purchase contraceptives. Not super precedent. Something that Amy Coney Barrett thinks maybe she should revisit. It gets worse. Yes, it gets worse. 1973's decision in Roe v. Wade. A woman's constitutional right to choose, to have autonomy over her body, to be free from excessive government restriction on her reproductive 
rights and decisions. Not super precedent. Not in Amy Coney Barrett's book. That's something that maybe she thinks she needs to revisit because that's not the kind of firmly established, generally accepted precedent that that should stand the test of time necessarily. Amy Coney Barrett thinks she might need to revisit that one. So Griswold contraceptives, maybe we should outlaw them. Roe v. Wade, not super precedent. Maybe we need to revisit women having autonomy over their reproductive rights, says Amy Coney Barrett. Yeah, it continues to unravel from there as you either saw in her confirmation hearing or maybe as you could have guessed. The Affordable Care Act, right? Obamacare. It's a case called NFIB versus Sebelius. That's the name of the Affordable Care Act case that was decided by Chief Justice Roberts saying, yeah, Obamacare, Affordable Care Act, constitutional, right? Covering pre-existing conditions, good. Healthcare for tens of a million, tens of millions of Americans, good. Constitutional. Decided in 2012, Amy Coney Barrett says, no, 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 not super precedent. Absolutely not. We may need to revisit that one as well. Kind of like contraceptives, contraceptives and a woman's right to choose. Pshaw. Remember that? Pshaw. We can edit that out later. No, we can't. Um, yeah, so, so the Affordable Care Act being ruled constitutional, absolutely not super precedent. Might have to take that right away. And I can't say that one angers me more than another because they all anger me. Because, you know, I kind of care about people, I don't know, having health care, being able to marry who they want, you know, having equality on all fronts, having as much autonomy as, you know, we should from government interference. Obergefell versus Hodges. Marriage equality. Marriage equality. Same-sex marriage. Remember how she said loving versus Virginia, interracial marriage. We can't go back and outlaw that. But gay marriage, same-sex marriage, marriage equality, not super precedent. May need to revisit that one, says Amy Coney Barrett. Because, you know, the government needs to be in the business of telling people who they can love and who they can marry and who they can't marry. How lovely for Amy Coney Barrett that she's willing to revisit that. Presumably it's not going to impact her unless she wants to divorce her husband and marry a woman. You know, how wonderful that she wants to revisit the Affordable Care Act coverage for pre-existing conditions insurance for tens of millions of Americans. I'm sure she can afford insurance, so she's good. Not super precedent. She can revisit that one. And apparently she doesn't care much about contraceptives because she'll be revisiting Griswold versus Connecticut, or at least she can in her book because, you know, it's not super precedent. And presumably she's not going to have to make a difficult reproductive decision about her life and her autonomy and her uterus and she's apparently ready to deprive other women of their rights in that regard. So, yeah, she calls it super precedent. It's all just super. She's giving it the cloak of legal legitimacy by making up a term for it. 
Not her alone. There are other academics who talk about it. But she calls it super precedent. You know what it is? It's a fancy word to hide her ideology, her personal beliefs. That's what it is. It's not super precedent. It's ideology. That was my, uh, I, I have props now, and I, I want to give a shout out to my props department. It's my props department right there. We're, we'll edit all that out later. Don't worry. Sometimes you've got to break the tension or I have to like lower the blood pressure when I think of what a justice like Amy Coney Barrett might want to do to the American people on the choice front, on the health care front, on the marriage equality front. So that's Amy Coney Barrett. Will she be confirmed? Probably, you know, absent some dramatic development or some Republican or Republicans in the Senate growing a conscience and being willing to actually care one whit about the American people and our rights. How likely is that? But here's the good news, folks. You know there's always good news, right? The good news is nine is not a magic number. What do I mean by that? We have nine justices on the Supreme Court, but nine is not a magic number. During the history of our country, we have had as few as five Supreme Court justices. We have had as many as 10 Supreme Court justices. And let's never forget that four years ago, the Republicans reduced the number of Supreme Court justices from nine to eight by unconstitutionally depriving Merrick Garland, who was nominated by President Obama to be a Supreme Court justice, unconstitutionally depriving him of a confirmation hearing. Constitution says the Senate has the right to give advice and consent. Mitch McConnell said not doing it, violating the Constitution, not doing it. They reduced the number for nearly a full year from nine justices to eight. I don't want to hear them crying and whining and complaining about Joe Biden coming in and deciding that perhaps we should no longer be locked in this, you know, cage match death struggle over whether something is going to be a 5-4 Supreme Court decision or a 4-5 or a 6-3. Is it going to be? And it's, and it's often until Amy Coney Barrett assuming she's confirmed 5-4, 5-4, 5-4, so that literally one or two justices set the law for the entire country. One or two justices in that 5-4 split announce what their interpretation of the Constitution is that will then be controlling for the whole country, for all 330, 330 million Americans. One or two justices. That's insane. And we've been living with that insanity for a very long time. And because nine is not a magic number, the Constitution does not require nine justices. That is easily changed by the incoming Congress in January. There should be a recognition that gone are the days when we are forever locked in these 5-4 split opinion cage match death battles. 
and we need to expand the court, if only to reflect a diversity of constitutional opinions. Here's why this, that's so important, and we can use Amy Coney Barrett's own words to justify it. Please stay with me here, folks. It gets a little dense, it gets a little legal weedy. Amy Coney Barrett fancies herself an originalist. She has a definition of what a constitutional originalist judge is. But what she said that's really important is that originalists, constitution, constitutional originalists, come in all flavors. There are some that are conservative, some that are moderate, some that are progressive. So there are lots of different constitutional originalist interpretations of, of the Constitution. And no one is right and one is wrong. Lots of different opinions. Well, if that's so, Amy Coney Barrett, then all of those different views should be represented on the Supreme Court. So it's not just one person's originalist beliefs or judicial philosophy that control what 330 million Americans have to live under. There should be a diversity of opinion, originalist opinions and otherwise. She said as much. That militates in favor of raising the number of justices. It can be 15. It can be 25. There should be a diversity of opinion, constitutional opinion, constitutional philosophy, judicial philosophy. There should be a diversity of it. So it's not 5-4-4-5 death match all the time. That only makes sense. That is more in keeping with what America is all about. And maybe, maybe we can even get some, I don't know, African-American appellate court judges nominated and confirmed in a future administration, which Mitch McConnell refused to do. And that is despicable. It's anti-American. And it's certainly not representative of our great, diverse country. Yeah, it gets me ticked off. Okay, let's finish up, folks. Blood pressure down. We'll cut that out later. Okay, so we can fix it. We can fix it by addressing the number of Supreme Court justices and increasing it so there's a diversity of judicial philosophy and there's a diversity of constitutional opinion, just like Amy Coney Barrett said there is and should be. And there are other things we can do, and I've talked about them in earlier videos. I want to finish up in two minutes with talking about the other things we can do. Stay with me because it's so important. Three things. One, we have the FBI investigate the confirmation testimony of all these Mitch McConnell judges, especially the not qualified rated judges. We find the perjury. If it's not there, they're in the clear, and the ideologues get to keep their black robe and their life tenure. But if the perjury is there, we address it. We address it. And we address it with a full, fair, apolitical FBI investigation, an indictment, a prosecution, and an impeachment of those judges, and they will disappear like a miracle from the bench. One way to attack the courts and unpack what Mitch McConnell and Donald Trump have done in packing the courts. The second thing is we create and stay tuned because it's coming, a citizen's brigade of court watchers. There aren't that many federal district courts in the country, 
But, you know, these not qualified judges are going to be misbehaving on the bench and off the bench. And if we're in the courts watching them and reporting it in real time, and I don't mean reporters, I mean citizens who take a, a very minimal training class to spot the judicial misconduct, believe me, you'll know it when you see it. I've seen it in my 30 years appearing before about 200 judges, give or take. I've seen it. You'll know it when you see it. And if you take that misconduct that occurs in, and, and you report it in real time, at uscourts.gov, uscourts.gov, and you file a judicial conduct complaint, it's easy to do, easy peasy. Then those complaints can be addressed and those judges, if appropriate, can be removed. Okay, that's two. And that's so doable. And that is the citizens participating in keeping an eye out for judicial misconduct and addressing it because we can't leave it up to the politicians. You see where that got us, right? And then the third thing is, as I say, you increase the number of both Supreme Court justices and you increase the number of federal appeals court justice judges. It's easy. It's easy to do. And it will serve to neutralize Mitch McConnell's all-white, as it turns out, many not qualified federal appeals court judges that he has crammed down our throats. Because, you know, diversity is kind of what the country's all about. On the bench, in the courts, and everywhere else. Diversity is America's superpower, and it's our single greatest strength, bar none, in my opinion. Not to Mitch McConnell, he's afraid of it. He fights against it. Yeah, well, we're going to fight back come January and we're going to win because justice matters. It matters. All right, folks, I'm going to go take a long walk and calm down because injustice and indecency gets me really ticked off. But I'll rally and I'll be back tomorrow. And I look forward to seeing you tomorrow. Please stay safe.